Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told medium of sound, showcasing diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here's your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And this week on the show, we are visiting Pleasure Town, a uh, utopian or not quite utopian society in the turn of the 20th century Oklahoma. Um, some Sooners have gone out trying to make the best of the world and things don't go quite as you might expect. Um, it's one of these shows that's a little bit hard to uh, stick into a particular genre. It is sort of West-ish, but definitely not a Western. Um, it is sort of story-driven, but the, there's not a you know uh, continuous storyline from point A to point B. They go backwards and forwards in time, sideways, and it's told from uh, well, you'll hear the perspective of the stories told from. So we're going to start with the very first episode. They are now actually uh, pretty deep into season two. Uh, we'll be finishing it by sort of the end of August or early September. And um, you can uh, catch up on this podcast at Pleasure Town. Uh, search for it on iTunes or find PleasureTownShow.com. And we speak with Keith Ecker, one of the producers of Pleasure Town, uh, just after this. Uh, first off, let's hear the first episode, see what Pleasure Town is all about. Uh, lovely theme music by River Rising's Megan Dagger and Tim Hazen. Here we go. From WBEZ Chicago and the tall grass of the plains, this is Pleasure Town. Around the turn of the last century, a group of folk built their dream, a town where happiness was the main objective. But as history has shown, nothing gold can stay. So why don't you sit a spell and join us as we unearth Pleasure Town. Hello, world. Pull up a stool and let us tell you a tale. It's a tale as tall as it is true. The best stories are. Now, fair warning, before we get to the good stuff, Cyrus over here is a professional killjoy. <sighs> Apologies for Claude. You don't know him as I do, so let me save you the puzzling and sum up the man. He was once my friend, then my adversary, and now my fellow steward. And through that I learned that the grander his bluster, the greater the truth from which it springs. See what I mean? Talks and riddles like a goddamn poet. Surprised his tongue ain't twisted like a spiral staircase. I will choose to ignore that remark. Eternity with you has honed my abilities of selective attention. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. We begin at the end. Or, at least, our end. The end of our town, which lie buried and forgotten neath the red dirt. The Dust Bowl ruined over 150,000 square miles of land. 
the depression hit, farms died, and all that tilled land was carried away with the wind, now both a weapon and a burial shroud. There's no doubt this destruction was caused by man, but all that death and dark was meant for us, for our town. God, or nature, or whatever's in charge, judged our town, found it lacking, and hastened its demise. Everyone else just got in the way. To say we were killed for our sins would be too easy a conclusion, and frankly, utterly wrong. No, our story ain't that simple. Yes, we strayed from the path. Yes, people got hurt. There was betrayal, and there was murder. But it was one hell of a ride. Now, where does one start the story of one's life? Perhaps at the beginning. Works for me. The frontier snared many a man with the promise of a self-built life, and my father was among those casualties. At the age of 17, he struck out from California, found a poor and hopeless bride along the way, and set root in the New Mexico Territory. Didn't waste much time building his cabin or growing his family. Work came to me not long after walking. My brothers and sisters seemed to take to the rural life, but I never did. Toil to eat, eat to toil. More often than not, I'd get caught in a gaze, stretching my eyes to the unseen, distant lands. Round near my ninth birthday, I'd had enough. Once the crop showed the promise of fruit, I packed up my four possessions, waited till sleep fell on my family, then disappeared into the night. Maybe this would be a good place for me to butt in. I wasn't quite finished. Are you ever? Always so impatient. Please, proceed. I once met a trader who had spent a lot of time out east. Now Yankee territory. I mean the far east. And he told me the people over there, these Buddhists, believe that all life is suffering. As a man who has seen his share of dirt soaked with blood and widow's tears, I can say with certainty that they're on to something. If you ask me, life ain't nothing but a wild horse that you can't break. All you can do is grip the horn of the saddle and hope to heaven or hell that you don't fall off and break your neck.
But I was first introduced to the suffering of man through the scourge of slavery. You see, I was raised a southern boy among the cotton fields of Mississippi. Our plot was a modest one. Just enough to reap what would garner us a steady income to stave off starvation. My mother said I was born with a wild streak. Said it was due to her sneaking shots of bourbon while father would venture into town to sell off the field's yield to the traders. Whatever it was, I seemed to have a taste for trouble. During my adolescence, I was a frequent patron of the local bar and brothel. So much so that the bartender named a drink after me and the madam christened a room. I guess I never much cared for rules and such. Man wasn't meant to be bound to the limits of other men. Earthly pleasures are gifts from God that serve to elevate us above this heap of manure that he and all his glory crafted in a slapdash effort. I mean, seven days? Really? I'll tell you, this world is as rickety as a fence nailed together by a blind man. As for me, I was ready to venture out into that rickety old world. I knew my exodus wouldn't be all frolic and fancy, but if difficulty was what I expected, then hell was what I got. The first time I nearly died was lack of food from poor planning. third time was sleeping next to a rattler den. After that, the danger sort of lumps into one long nightmare. The greatest pain, however, was the solitude. Although they frustrated me something fierce, my family offered me a corporeal communion. I eventually bargained my way onto the cattle trails, moving another man's investment bit by bit across the plains. The adventure of it was what appealed at first, but that appeal ever grew dim. You rest yourself on the hard red earth. Eat two meals of today's beans mixed with the burnt leftovers of days past, and you move at a funeral's pace. I would have toughed it out, except something kept eating at me, pulling at my mind, an emptiness that wouldn't leave me alone. Found myself with that familiar, distant gaze. So once again, I ran. That wanderlust struck Cyrus at a young age. Wouldn't hit me till sometime later. You see, we owned two slaves. And while slavery had been abolished for a number of years, the word hadn't quite traveled its way to rule Mississippi. Still, in my young mind, having two slaves was too, too many. How could a man be the property of another man? Do we all not have the same inalienable right to pursue our happiness? I don't think there's much happiness to be found in picking cotton until your hands are bloody and calloused only to sit down in the dirt with a bowl of weak old stew that isn't even fit enough for the dogs. That's how my father treated the help. Out of both spite and a sense of equality, I'd often use my skills as a trickster to swipe a bottle of whiskey from father's personal storage and fill up a flask I'd found discarded in the field behind the general store. Of course, I'd replace what I took with water, cause there was one thing my father could not stand. It was losing a drop of his most cherished possession. I'd then sneak out to the slaves' quarters and pass around that old flask, since I think all men deserve a good buzz. 
Slaves and I would stay up late, and as they got drunker on father's whiskey, their lips would loosen, and out would come stories from their past, stories that winded back through time and across oceans. Families separated, women beaten, men tortured. Their stories brought to life the broken promise made by our founding fathers that all men are created equal. All I want you to do for me is that of course, my ability to grift had yet to mature, and my father got wise to my ruse. He flogged me senseless with a switch, leaving a gnarled scar on my ass that is still visible to this day. But I got off easy. He beat our slaves all night. One was laid up for the better part of a month, his eyes swollen shut, and the other didn't live to see the sunrise. hell of a way to treat your fellow man, but that's how things were back then. Running away was easy. Running, too, was not. With no idea what was pulling at me, I had no choice but to slide into the life of a drifter. Spent weeks on the wagons of kind strangers, months feeding pigs or mopping floors. Claiming no roof as my own never bothered me, and the hunger pains were no stronger than when I was a kid trouble was that communion my family gave me. Rubbing shoulders was a damn near must for me. A very particular scratch for a very particular itch. But each time I tried to anchor myself, the familiar gaze came back, strong as ever. Drink wouldn't quell it, and sleep made it worse. Then, Near the limits of Butler, Missouri, a heavy rain fell with thunder and lightning to match. As the wet and the cold soaked into my bones, I snapped. I swung my fists at the hundred droplets, and I screamed at the clouds until my throat gave out. While Cyrus was having his own crisis of faith, so too was I. You see, I had nightmares of that slave's swollen face and his companion's bruised and blooded corpse, which we burned in a bonfire along with a couple of sickly hogs and a wagon's worth of dead brush. I vowed that day that I would head west to find a settlement that refused to accept bondage as a way of life for any man. So at the age of 16, I left my folks in that small Mississippi town and never looked back. Naturally adept with my hands, I eked out a living as a trapper, hunter, and tradesman. It was a good life, being a nomad and living in relative isolation. But I had not forgotten my vision of a better life, not just for myself, but for other wayward spirits who shared my ardor for pleasure. Pleasure Town will return in a moment.
whereas Claude had a clear sight on his life's mission. I was in a fog. The storm didn't have my answer. But come the sun and warmth of the morning, the first piece of the puzzle snuck into the back of my mind. I thought back to my hundred exits, and two in particular stood out. First was a camp of believers in Kansas. Each night was warm fires and singing, and each job was shared by all. But any time anyone broke a rule, they'd be shoved out into the cold. The other was a town in Colorado. They welcomed and encouraged everything that could count as depravity. Thing was, any strangers that breached their borders were lucky to leave with their possessions, let alone their life. I realized my need for communion wasn't the problem. Problem was, I hadn't found my community. All I'd come across were zealots and scoundrels, freezing cold or boiling hot, and all I wanted was to be warm. Speaking of warmth, I spent considerable time along the Gulf Coast sniffing out every hole-in-the-wall bar and every one-horse town. I also had the privilege of ushering many pastor's daughters into womanhood. People in the South were all polite smiles and how-do-you-do's on the outside, but they harbor an anger that burns as hot as the reddest coals. And nothing stirs up the fire like having a little fun, whether it's fleecing a railroad tycoon for a few hundred dollars or raiding a woman's dormitory. I was frequently chased from one town to the next on the back of some poor sap steed or in the belly of a boxcar. I'd enter the next town with high hopes that perhaps I'd found a permanent home, only to discover after a few beers and brawls that the natural ways of man were considered too improper for their genteel sensibilities. I was a drifter no more. I'd still chase the sun across the plains, but now I had a purpose. I'd hit up town after town, asking if anyone had heard of a place like what I'd built up in my head. Didn't bother me that no was the only answer I'd ever get. With all the spinning this world had done, had to be someone out there that had a similar dream. I took to acquiring any books I could get my hands on until my slapshot library finally paid off. Found a group of Greeks, just like me, trying to figure life out. They said the only intrinsic good is pleasure. And that lit a fire in me. I finally had a word for myself. I was a hedonist. I didn't know nothing about this hedonism stuff at the time. Too intellectual for my tastes. I just felt it. The insatiable hunger for pleasure. A cornucopia of good feelings to chase away the bad. Life gives you lemons. Stick those sons of bitches in a vat of whiskey and have yourself a cocktail. But everybody else seemed to think I was just a glutton. Then on the outskirts of a town, fittingly named Hope, Arkansas, I found what I was looking for. And it came in the shape of a mouse of a man with a permanent frown. Wouldn't have given much of my attention, but as I drew my frame up to the bar, I overheard a portion of his endless prattle which he forced upon a silent and wholly uninterested ranch hand. You've got it all wrong. Most people do. Saint and sinner alike use pleasure as a weapon, so the extremes become the norm and the true heart of the thing is abandoned. 
You might not realize it, but old Tom Jefferson and the gang were closet hedonists. It's right there in the Declaration of Independence. Pursuit of happiness. That's it. Going after the happy. Life should be just like that, don't you think? I have to say that I agree. I know you. Claude, right? Aren't you a wanted man? By every woman below the Mason-Dixon. Buy you a drink. With whose money? I've managed to scrape up a hefty nest egg thanks to an unlimited supply of greedy old barons and heartless aristocrats who are too busy counting their quarters to notice when a few nickels are missing. Thanks, but no. I just thought you'd like to talk to someone who might actually be interested in what you have to say. The last thing I need is to keep company like yours. Now, I don't know what you've heard, but I ain't a bad man, just a businessman. Which I could see how the two are easy to confuse. But I assure you, I sit at your table merely as a lonely traveler, looking for a little conversation. So, how about that drink? Despite myself, I accepted that drink and the seven that followed. I expected you to be kissing the ground after four. Wasn't the last time you underestimated me. After that last of bourbon, I shared every bit of my personal philosophy and old Cy shared his. Seemed to us that we spoke the same language. And then the rooster crowed and Cy squinted toward the west. You know the land run? Can't say that I do. The government is going to divide up the Indian land. Any man, rich or poor, has a chance to plant a stake, claim his ground, and start over. You thinking of running? The thought had crossed my mind. Perhaps as two men, we could probably snatch up twice as much land. Heck, instead of a mere homestead, we'd have an entire community. Like a town? Sure. Pleasure town. That sounds a bit... prurient, if you ask me. What about Freedom Meadows or Liberty Glen? Ain't nobody want to live in Freedom Meadows. Starting a town is all about getting residents. And getting residence is all about the sales pitch. And what do people want? They want pleasure. Thankfully, my name won out. I must admit, it did start to grow on me. Pleasure Town. A place to go after you're happy. And so the two of us headed west together. It seemed that as soon as we pitched our first tent, a handful of strangers showed up. We made sure the rules were clear. Pleasure, but not at the expense of your neighbor. Ecstasy, but not at the expense of the town. And as long as those things were seen to, we just might have a chance. No matter what, we were going to see to it that our heaven on earth would be a sanctuary for all who believed in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There was a lot more sweat than you might guess in the early days, and all of us worked according to our abilities. And each night, beneath the stars, we forged the bonds of our new family. Of course, as more residents began to call my home their home, problems arose. But what's an experiment without a few broken beakers? Where we ended up was nowhere near where we were headed. But that's how legends are made. And now, here we are, standing outside of time. And so are many of those who once called Pleasure Town home. Silence for decades under the red dirt. Now unearthed by the wind.
This episode of Pleasure Town was written, produced, and performed by myself, Keith Ecker. And me, Aaron Cahoe. Direction and sound design by Joe Dassault. Original music composed and performed by River Rising's Megan Deeger and Tim Hazen and engineered by Colin Eshmead Bobbitt. Pleasure Town is a part of the WBEZ Podcast Network. Discover more excellent shows like Film Spotting at wbez.org slash podcasts. Pleasure Town is an ever-growing interactive narrative which relies on your creativity, your imagination, and especially your voice to expand the legend. Find out how you can join the story at wbez.org slash Pleasure Town. And welcome to Radio Drum Revival. Uh, today we have the pleasure of speaking with Keith Ecker. He's executive producer, one of the main people behind the uh, podcast Pleasure Town, uh, which we'll talk about. It's, uh, I guess you call it audio drama, but it's it's an interesting sort of uh, story of this uh, possibly sort of semi-fictional town in Oklahoma's past where uh, sort of founded on the principle of pleasure for pleasure's sake. Um, he does that with Aaron Cahoe as well as a number of other uh, producers and interns. Um, all that's at pleasuretownshow.com. Uh, Keith is also the creator of Guts and Glory and Essay Fiesta, two uh, live literary series in Chicago, um, as well as a comedian, journalist, and other uh, fun stuff where he works his professional life in creativity and writing stuff. Uh, Keith, welcome to Radio Drum Revival. Morning. How are you? Uh, so, yeah, Pleasure Town. Um, I think I first heard about this uh, through actually the iTunes podcast people when they were talking about making that uh, modern radio drama uh, curated list. And it was, uh, it was pretty fun to have someone from, uh, you know, Apple turn me on to something because usually, you know, it, I don't know, it's, it's sort of sometimes it feels like stage whispers the way that we learn about new audio projects out there. Um, but you just want to talk a little bit about the genesis of Pleasure Town? Aaron and I both uh, have a, a pretty lengthy history here in Chicago in the arts community as uh, theatrical performers and writers. Specifically, though, uh, we met through the storytelling scene here, which is pretty robust. Uh, there's uh, hundreds of people that, that uh, identify themselves as storytellers. There's a lot of performance uh, opportunities here in the city locally to perform almost every night of the week. It's sort of become the new stand-up comedy. Uh, except it spans the, the, the realm of both uh, comedy and drama. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to do a live show, actually, that was going to be a, a number of fictional stories that uh, our storyteller friends would uh, inhabit as different uh, members of this fictional town that we created known as Pleasure Town. And so we actually ended up producing that as a live show we had. It was a limited run, uh, just a couple nights, but we ended up getting quite a bit of attention uh, for whatever reason, I, I'm not still to this day not quite sure because there's so much theater here. 
but we ended up breaking through the noise and uh, the Chicago Tribune reviewed us and gave us a positive review, which was uh, which is rare. They don't review a lot of theater uh, these days, and that was nice. And uh, WBEZ, some representatives from that network were in the audience, coincidentally. And uh, that kind of buzz and, and uh, just kind of attracted WBZ, basically, and, and gave them the idea of taking a chance on us uh, to do a, a podcast version of that concept. Neat. Are, are you still doing live shows at Pleasure Town now? No, no. That was, you know, we did the limited run and then we did do a special WBEZ sponsored uh, or hosted, uh, whatever they want to however you would say it, a show, a live show of, of the podcast version, basically, where we just did about four original pieces uh, for a live audience of WBEZ fans. Nate, I mean, that's a interesting aspect, because I think, you know, uh, you know, radio drama, audio drama has roots in various disciplines, and you certainly hear about, you know, live uh, radio drama performances, which are kind of their own thing, but you sort of done the opposite, where it had a live event that became an audio experience, but uh, obviously it's completely natural. One of the things I always love about audio drama is that, you know, as wonderful it is is to have that live immediacy in the theater, uh, the podcast gives you the ability for that experience to be captured and, and uh, archived and available for people who, you know, months and months after that uh, uh, podcast was recorded can, in, can enjoy it. So there's a, a little, I guess, a little bit more permanence uh, in the art. That's one thing I like about it. Tell me about the so the or this is kind of a, it's an interesting concept. Uh, you know, you're not you know a lot of what we hear in audio drama is is very genre focused. So you know, people if we're gonna try and put you in a genre, you know, like okay, it's in the West. Is it a Western? Well, no, not at all. Uh, but it's it's so when you say storytelling, that very much is what it's about. It is just telling people's stories. But can you just talk about what made you interested in first off what Pleasure Town is and what interested you in exploring telling stories at this place so yeah i you know just the general we've always had a hard time doing the 30 second elevator pitch of pleasure town because it just doesn't fit like you said it's not really genre specific which in in the world of entertainment isn't necessarily typical because it's hard then to do that 30 second elevator pitch that that you kind of need to sort of sell something to an audience or to a network but the way i encapsulate it is uh pleasure town is uh a fictional town that is a, it's a hedonistic utopian experiment at the turn of the 20th century, inhabited by all kinds of interesting characters from outlaws to artists. And we get to see all the craziness that ensues when you have uh, a group of people uh, all come together to pursue pleasure as their ultimate goal. Uh, of course, though, people being people, they have different definitions of what pleasure is, they have different motivations and wants, and so conflict inevitably arises and ends up leading to a, a dystopia, basically. So uh, it's, it's the tale of, I guess, a utopian society and intent that turns into a dystopia, and the fantastical elements and uh, personal drama that ensues. So um, as far as why we wanted to explore this concept, uh, you know, part of it is just for the setting, you know, Aaron is from Oklahoma himself, born and raised. He's a farm boy. Uh, I'm from Texas originally. I'm from, I'm more of a city suburbanite guy. I'm from the Dallas area, but we still want to do something that harkened back to our geographic roots. And so, uh, because culturally, it's just, there's a lot of unique cultural things I think that we could explore based on those personal histories, 
but also, you know, there's a lot of interesting dynamic today, I think, with regards to North versus South, liberal versus conservative, and, and setting it in a place like Oklahoma, we felt would be able, we'd be able to explore that a little bit too, particularly when juxtaposing that with this concept of hedonism. So I think that was a, a reason why we selected the location. As far as the concept, uh, you know, I guess we've just been kind of really interested in the idea that, you know, the United States was founded on the concept of, uh, you know, basically the right to happiness. Everyone has the right to pursue happiness. And what if we took that concept to the extreme, where there was an actual experimental community here uh, in, in the U.S., albeit fictional community, where that really was the ultimate purpose, and people took that to, to the, the infinite degree, uh, what would that actually look like? And it turns out uh, not so good for a lot of the people. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, there's not, not a lot of balance, maybe. Uh, well, and, and this another interesting part about it is uh, you say that the town's history is crowdsourced um, by both producers as well as people uh, from the greater public. Uh, how does that work, and how is it working? So, you know, we right now, we still are taking baby steps in that area. As far as crowdsourcing from... Uh, people like the, the immediate community that we do a lot of, you know, we commission basically people from the, uh, the local art scene and a little bit beyond to contribute pieces to Pleasure Town. And we give them a little bit of a framework of, you know, what points to hit because we have the plot somewhat sketched out for the entire season, definitely for the first half of each season. We're in season two now. Um, but there's always things that our writers who we commission, introduce, that we then integrate into the plot and sometimes actually greatly affect the, uh, the, the, the development of the plot, um, sometimes actually even changing what our intent was in terms of the end of the season, like the season finale. That's what happened with season one. There were some elements introduced by some of our writers that we got from outside where it ended up changing the trajectory of the plot line, particularly with regards to the sheriff character in season one. Sure. Well, and how does that work? Um, you know, where do you record these? Do you um, have, yeah, and, and you know, how, how, what kind, what's your pool of, of people that you work with? So as far as where we record, we do record at the WBZ studios. So we have some of the best equipment available. Extraordinarily happy about that. You know, we get all the sound boards, and I'm not a tech guy, so I don't know all the terminology, but uh, it's, it's just, you know, really wonderful studio space, and I'm very happy to have that. Uh, as far as who we work with, because of Aaron and I's relationships with the arts community here in Chicago and because the theater community here particularly um, and the literary community is just so huge, uh, we're, we're extraordinarily fortunate to have access to, frankly, I mean, in my personal opinion, some of the best talent in the country. It's just <laughs> Chicago by its nature is just uh, probably the, the, the redheaded stepchild of the entertainment world. You got New York and you got L.A., uh, but a lot of those talents that go to the coast start in Chicago, and uh, and so we are fortunate that we get to we get to snag some of these people before they go off and become you know inevitably I'm sure super famous or or super successful in the larger entertainment world. So that's largely where we get most of our people from. You know, we know from the audio realm, uh, you know, the, there's Our Fair City and there's other groups out there who are making their splash in the specifically sort of this audio space um and of course with wbez um that is a really interesting connection to talk about because i think people 
do think of, say, like This American Life and Serial and the sort of the big kind of you know, obviously very well-known national, international programs. Uh, but they do have a fairly large you know, podcast network. Um, and you, we, just before you got on, we talked a little bit about that relationship. So just so people, uh, you know, listeners pr- may not understand how that works, you know, what, what is that official relationship uh, with WBEZ and kind of what are they looking for and how do you guys work together? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure how long their podcast network has been around, but uh, in terms of how we work with them, and I think it's different for other shows, we're considered an affiliate of theirs. So we, uh, Aaron and I, own a production company, which were incorporated as Pleasure Town LLC, and we produce the show, and we own all the rights to the show, uh, the concept, and you know, we have the copyright. Uh, WBEZ then has a contractual relationship with us where they license the show from us uh, so that they can distribute it freely on their network. And so we're part of their network. So um, it's, it's a very mutual beneficial relationship in the sense that, you know, we get the space and we get assistance from them in terms of uh, some of the, the tech aspects, audio design, at least for season one, you know, they really helped us with the audio design because we didn't know exactly what we're doing. We've actually now since with season two, Aaron, who's kind of a super genius, uh, he's now taken that on himself. He does the audio design as of season two, um, and he's brilliant at it. So that's, I'm just extraordinarily pleased to have him as my, my creative partner. But uh, So that's, that's how the relationship works. We provide the show. They provide the, uh, the space and the distribution network. And uh, yeah, and, it's, and it is interesting to be with a bunch of other shows that are not <laughs> audio dramas they're not fiction there are they're you know the sort of the talk format um or the news driven format and uh and that's just an interesting thing in podcasting right now in my opinion generally something i've been thinking a lot about which is you know the place for fiction in podcasting because even itunes itself doesn't necessarily have categories that speak to what we do uh they do have that one you know modern radio drama uh area on on their uh, on their network, but they don't have uh, necessarily like when you go look at the podcast category, something that we fit nicely into. So, uh, you know, I think we are sometimes a little bit the black sheep of the podcast family of WBEZ, but, you know, it helps us stand out too at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I think what we all as, as audio producers, uh, audio fiction, you know, it's, there's still that sort of mainstream kind of literacy of, of what these shows even are is still a little bit, um, you know, you, you knew and you don't want a show like Welcome to Night Vale becomes immensely popular that sort of helps shed light that there's like actually this entire form of, of art out there. But um, then people can also get a little bit pigeonholed into what they think is is, is what it is. But on the other hand, um, you know, there aren't many rules. So you can, <laughs> you can totally <laughs> break it, bend it, make it, invent it, whatever. That's, that's the fun part of it. Uh, so yeah, and I guess just in general, so now you're deep, pretty deep into your second season. Um, how, how are you feeling about things and, and kind of where is your vision for the, uh, this, the world at this point? So, yeah, right now we are in our mid season break. We're about to come off of that. We take a break after episode six. Um, and so we're about to launch episode seven, usually second half of the season is where things really start to go to hell, uh, in terms of the characters. Um, because you know, you gotta, you gotta start heading toward the the finale and you know the more tension you can create um the more drama you can tease out of the plots that you've established for the season the better and more interesting uh the 
the plot unfolding is. So, you know, I think what, what you're going to hear is we already have episode 10 is in the process of being written right now. Uh, episode 11 and 12, the way we kind of do this is we hold off on defining exactly where we're going um, when it comes to the last couple episodes. So uh, Aaron and I specifically with the rest of our team are going to be uh, probably over the next month, giving a lot of consideration on what we want 11 and 12 to look like, what plot points we want to hit, how we want to to end things for this season. So um, we'll be creating those uh, pretty soon. And then as far as season three goes, um, because we are definitely looking at doing uh, another season, this isn't the end at all. Um, that's something that we will probably start giving thought to within the next couple months and start uh, sketching out some plot lines. You know, our our process is just like with season two, we try to look back because we don't follow a continuous chronology. It's sort of what, like you just said, it's, it, you know, audio drama allows you to be experimental because this form when it comes to podcasting is so new. So one thing we've done is uh, instead of episode, or, uh, season two beginning where, where season one left off and establishing that long-term chronology, we have, uh, we, we actually go back to the very beginning um, with each season and fill in more and more layers of this town. So season one from episode one through 12 explored the, uh, the, the life to the near death of the town. Season two, you go back and explore the life to the near death of the town once more, but through the perspective and experiences of other characters. Cool. Well, and, and yeah, and you've got uh, super active, uh, all kinds of great stuff on your Facebook feed as well as your Twitter, um, pleasuretownshow.com is the show there's also uh we didn't get to uh, uh speak with aaron this morning but we do have a nice uh he, he's written some blogs on the process of making some sound design stuff so there's some sort of fun behind the scenes material up on the website so uh listeners check it out pleasuretownshow.com or pleasuretown on itunes um and keith great having you any any parting words thank you so much for having me on the show fred i appreciate it and uh you know, we're insanely in love with this, uh, this form, with audio drama, and, and we just want to keep creating in this field, and, and we really thank people for listening. It's just kind of amazing that, that people uh, seem to enjoy it as much as we enjoy making it. Yeah, well, it's cool, and it's fun to, that, uh, you know, we're doing this, I've been doing this eight, eight years now on Radio Drum Revival, and there's still new, fun, interesting, cool stuff happening, and in fact, seems to be uh, kind of hitting a, a bit more wider awareness than... You know, we've talked about Radio Drama Revival, but now it actually seems that, you know, we're, we're hopefully creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, but we'll see how it all pans out. Yep, totally agree. Thank you. All right, that was Keith from Pleasure Town, uh, pleasuretownshow.com. Um, check out more about it and uh, participate. Uh, follow them on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, um, Radio Drama Revival is continuing onward on our sort of loosey-goosey schedule here, but we do hopefully get a uh, good a long-running uh, audio drama serial for you the remainder of the summer. Um, of course, hundreds of hours of archives at radiodramarevival.com. In the meantime, check out radiodramarevival.com. Of course, you can find us on the iTunes store, search for Radio Drama Revival, or find us, uh, there's also an app available on the iTunes App Store or Google Play Market. You can follow us as well on Twitter, at Radio Drama, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Radio Drama Revival. Of course, I'm always looking for feedback. Uh, email me at fred at radiodramarevival.com. 
All right, that's a wrap for this week. Radio Drum Revival, produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhelch, submissions editor, Monique Boudreau of Oral Stage Studios, copyrighted of individual shows, remains that are original producers, but do please share the show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drum Revival is a production of Radio Drum Revival LLC. This podcast at radiodramarevival.com is labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk i know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group mad harmony but you will bounce back i mean you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool it should be you giving me the pep talk now get out there hit that high note and take mad harmony all the way to nationals this year sorry it's pitchy Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.